Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm John Norman and every day of England's tour of India we'll be bringing you a daily podcast showcasing the best of the coverage from across the Talk Sport network. Today a fantastic interview that took place during the lunch break on day 1 of the second test. Former England captain and Times columnist Mike Atherton who's been a regular contributor and a commentator for Talk Sport 2 cricket since the beginning sat down with his old friend and colleague Neil Manthorpe in a wide-ranging interview. Plenty of topics covered, and as you'd expect, all viewpoints given proper consideration. And if you enjoy cricket content like this, it's also available in video form on our brand-new TalkSport Cricket YouTube channel. So, once done here, head over there and maybe hit the subscribe buttons on both. Thanks for listening to the following on podcast from TalkSport. You're listening to live and exclusive coverage of the first test match between India and England here on TalkSport 2 and for the first session on TalkSport as well. At lunchtime, India winning the toss and batting first are 103 for 2 and uh, we'll obviously have uh, live commentary of the afternoon session in around 30 minutes' time. Uh, but before we bring in our special guest, Michael Atherton, former England captain and accomplished writer and broadcaster, um, we're going to chat about leadership and, and selection and captaincy. Uh, but before we do, let's hear from England's current uh, test head coach, Brendan McCullum. Um, a couple of days ago, he joined the SENZ breakfast show in New Zealand, which, by the way, he used to co-host before this um, section of his life and career. Uh, in this, he discusses the art of selection and, in particular, selecting the inexperienced Tom Hartley. Well, I mean, he's quite experienced compared to uh, Shoei Bashir, who's been selected for this test match. Um, but uh, he made his debut in Hyderabad, having played just uh, 20 matches. Here's Brendan McCullum. So when we picked Tom, it was sort of people raised their eyebrows a little bit, but let's not forget, and I think this is quite a pertinent point, like, Nathan Lyon, he only played, I think, a handful of first-class games and averaged 40-odd when he first got picked for Australia, and he's gone on to have a fabulous career. You know, like When you see guys that you think who are good enough um, and who you think are going to suit the conditions, it's sort of horses for courses. So you've got to back your judgment on things like that. And, and he was a guy who who we saw a little bit of and, and we thought he might um, you know, be able to uh, to be able to perform in conditions like this, and you know, no one ever foresees seven for sixty odd on debut or nine for the match. Uh, 
you got what sixty odd runs, a, a run out, and a catch. Yeah. No one ever foresees that, but yeah, sometimes you just gotta you gotta be a little bit brave as well with, with selections. And if you like a character and you like their skill set and you think it's going to be suited to the conditions, then then it's kind of an educated punt. So look, he was fantastic. I thought the way that that the captain, you know, Ben Stokes, the way he handled uh, Tom Hartley in the first innings when he bowled him an extended spell, regardless of the fact that he was getting um, put under pressure by by the new batters. I thought that was was a real sign of of leadership, and also it was a clear message to not just Tom but but those that are around the squad that you know when we talk about freedom, we talk about taking the game on and trying to come in and make a difference. You're not going to be cast aside or, or taken on, uh, taken out of the crease, uh, taken off the crease. Sorry, from you know the first sign of danger. So you know I thought it was it was a magnificent decision by the skipper to do that, and I think. No, it allowed Tom to to feel like he belonged, and he knew his, he knew what his role was. So it came up trumps in the end. But you know, you've got to have a bit of a punt sometimes, and this one came off. That's England's uh, Test coach Brendan McCullum, alongside me, Michael Atherton. Um, welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for your time. It is always, as always, greatly appreciated. Uh, the wonderful thing about Brendan McCullum, amongst many wonderful things, is that he makes it sound so simple, doesn't he? <laughs> Well, it's been a, an amazing partnership that he's developed with Ben Stokes, really. What a, a decision it was from Rob Key to, to partner Brendan McCullum with Ben Stokes and, and really the, the catalyst for this unbelievable turnaround that we've seen in England's test team. Um, they, they both seem, as captain and coach, the kind of people that you'd want to play under and play for. Um, and that is all part of I'm sure what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about selection but also managing the talent within uh, the team if you look at lots of the players who've come in under Stokes and McCullum they've had almost immediate success we saw Tom Hartley last week uh, Rayan Ahmed who took wickets five wicket haul in, in Karachi on his debut Josh Tong was the previous debutant before Tom Hartley he took five wickets against Ireland Matt Potts the same before that so lots of young players will, coming will in Jacks. and will jack six for so they're, they're having immediate success which is testament a to the selection but also the management of the talent within the team the selection is extraordinary that's fascinating absolutely fascinating and like i said brendan mccullough makes it sound so simple i mean in my career um pakistan have uh, have done that haven't they they've uh, got a, a record of of um, liking the look of a, a young lad who's a net bowler uh, and then saying, actually, do you fancy playing in the Test match? I'm exaggerating slightly, but Wazim Akram and Waka Yunus were, were both fast-tracked, weren't they? Um, but as far as English cricket is concerned, I mean, there might be a couple of outliers over the, over the previous five or six uh, decades, but for the most part, the journey to the, the Test team has, has been formulaic. You've got to play X number of seasons and, and prove yourself uh, over... Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, the selectors, English selectors, have long had a, a reputation for conservatism, but I'm not quite sure how accurate that is. That I mean, we've often picked players young. Myself, I, I was 21 when I played for England. I was a month out of university and pretty clueless, didn't know what I was doing. Nasser Hussain was the same age, 21, Mark Ramprakash the same so even going back to the start of my career I don't think the selectors were ever afraid of pushing young players in um, I would tell you with the outliers 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think the reputation for conservatism is a little unfair, but clearly what's happened in in on this tour and, and in the last 12 or 18 months is taking it another stage further. You've got Rehan Ahmed picked on the back of three first-class games. Shoaib Bashir, before this game, had just you know, played half a dozen games and had taken 10 wickets at an average of 67. So that's taking things on a stage. Um, and, you know, they've... they've the, the words that Brendan McCullum used there, he said, educated punt, and it's a little bit of both. It is, uh, you know, it, there's always an element of subjectivity. They've seen something they liked and they've taken a punt with that. But it is also base. It, it, there's a lot of reason, and when he says educated punt... It's because, you know, there's the firm things that they like, and in particular with Hartley and Bashir, what they like is the height and pace from which they bowl. They, they feel that looking at India over the last 10 years, the bowlers who've done well here are tall spinners who drive the ball into the surface, and that's what they like with Hartley uh, and Bashir. Didn't the young man bowl really well this morning? I thought terrific start for him. It was the reversal of the traditional approach to selection that I found so fascinating in your article a couple of days ago in the Times where you said that selectors used to look at players and then ways in which they could fit them into the team rather than now looking at the requirements of the team and then looking around to see which players might be able to provide that and not being... Yeah, it's a bit backward-looking if, if you want to term it that way, you know, in the old days, going back 30 years when I captained England, because there were, there were no tools at your disposal, really. The only tools you had were the county championship averages and then your own eyes, what you'd seen and, and what you liked. And there were some scouts, I think from memory, when I started captain in England, we had three or four scouts. But you'll remember that, you know, none of the domestic games were or could be televised at this stage. So the selectors were very, very hamstrung. You know, one might say, well, I fancy going and watching, I don't know, say, John Morris at Derbyshire this week. And he'd turn up one day and, and Morris would be in the field all day. And, you know, you, you ha now everything, every ball is televised. Or at least there are set cameras, you know, fixed cameras at either end. So everything is televised. Um, the selectors can just sit at home and, and see every ball of every county game. So the tools at, at the selectors' disposal now are just of a different magnitude than, than what they were. And they've taken things a stage on. So the umpires in county cricket now carry these little mobile cameras, and that's called, they call it iHawk technology. And it's amazing what it shows. You know, every bowler, every ball bowled, They'll be able to see the pace of it, for one. So for the first time in county cricket now, you've got a sense of what speeds bowlers are bowling at, whereas you used to really just have a take a guess. You'd say, oh, he looks quick. Now they've got, you know, empirical evidence. Um, and you can work out who's delivering from the highest points, for example, and Bashir and Hartley would deliver from very high points in county cricket. Look at accuracy and movement. Every ball, you've got, you know, millions of data points, really, throughout the season. And that just enables them to take a bit more of an informed punt, to use Brendan McCullum's word. And you're right, what they're doing now is saying, what does the team need? What do you need in these conditions? Whereas in the past, we might have you know, got the averages out and said, right, who are the best 11 players in England from county cricket? Whereas now, because county cricket is played 
the championship I'm talking about is played particularly at the start and the end of the season in terms of spin, which is clearly the key requirement here in India, it makes it very difficult to just use, say, county averages in terms of spinners. You know, I, can, I could give you seven or eight uh, young spinners who probably got a better record in, in championship cricket than Shoaib Bashir and Tom Hartley last year. But the selectors like certain aspects of their game and they felt or feel it will fit well to conditions here in India. And so far, early days, who knows what will happen by the end of the tour, but, you know, Tom Hartley's seven wickets on debut was a vindication of that approach. Can't get an escape from uh, this vision of uh, future selection meetings being chaired by a professor of uh, mathematics, um, programming it, taking information about the requirements um, and then... And then Entering it all into a laptop and then printing out yeah, the short I think list I, of candidates. It, it's quite I, important not to overstate the. I mean, they've got all the data at their fingertips and they've got the information, but you still need that cricketing judgment. I, I was going to say, I find that I, every, a part of me should find that scary, and, and but but I don't. I find it quite exciting. Well, I, if I was in their situation, if I was the captain or the coach, I'd want that amount of data if I had it as long as you trusted the information you thought it was accurate that can only help you in your decision making but you still need the judgment the, the, the judgment of perhaps for you know you can't it's the old baseball money ball thing isn't it you've, you've got the kind of gnarled old scouts who've been around for donkey's years and then you've got the, the, the billy bean type data but you need to marry the two you One's no good without, without the other. You still need that judgment uh, and that, that kind of feel for the game. And the other thing not to be discounted is the bravery in making decisions because in any walk of life, if you make decisions that are said to be a little bit left field or against the grain, if you make those decisions, you know in the back of your mind that if they go wrong, you're going to get a lot of stick. So, for example, England not coming to India to play any warm-up games. They decided to 10 days in Abu Dhabi. You know if things go wrong, you're going to get flack for that. Same with the picking of Hartley and Bashir. If, if, it, if they don't bowl well, if it goes wrong, you're going to get flack. So never discount the importance of bravery and boldness in making these decisions. These guys are brave, they're backing their judgment, and they know if it goes wrong, they're going to get some stick, but they're, they're happy to do that. And then the other thing, which is where McCullum in particular and Stokes are so good, is that once you've made those decisions, then embracing the decisions and managing these young players within the environment. So it's a kind of combination of all kinds of things of which data and information is just one part of it. And, you know, in selection, you're never going to get everything right. You'll make mistakes. And people will have different opinions. I, for example, would have played Mark Wood this game instead of Rayan Ahmed. I think that's just my personal opinion. And there will always be different opinions. But what you hope is that the, the system for selection is robust. That, you know, there are 400 professional cricketers in England and they deserve a robust system where, you know, the selections that are thorough. And I think you know if your professional career is on the line you deserve to know that the people making the decisions on your career or somebody else's career that the process by which those decisions made are made is a thorough one 
So it's one thing looking at the bowlers who've been successful in India and then local bowlers, Indian bowlers, and then looking to emulate them. So take Aksar Patel as the example. And then so you come to the conclusion that you need a spin bowler bowling at a certain speed and from a, a, a higher than normal delivery point. And you identify Shoei Bashir or your computer does. <laughs> um, but actually, Ben Stokes saw a, a clip, didn't he, on, on Twitter? Well, exactly, and, and that's, that's the point, really, that it's, it's that combination. The selectors like what Bashir has shown them, but it, the initial kind of impetus was Stokes seeing the so clip on social media of Shoei Bashir bowling to Alistair Cook. He then put it on the WhatsApp group that he shares with Rob Key and Brendan McCullum that you know, mainly has kind of golf swings and, and nonsense on it. But, you know, at this point you said, well, quite like the look of this kid, what's happening? And then, you know, then they'll have their eye on him. And then he went, he went on a Lions camp in November. It was a camp my lad was on, actually. So I followed that quite closely for, for, for obvious reasons. And there were eight young spinners there. Shoei Bashir impressed them all. They played one match against Afghanistan A. He got wickets and then suddenly finds himself in the team. So... You know, that's the, the process from where they started that includes all those elements we've talked about, the data, the information, the bravery in making the call and then the backing of the call and then the empathetic management that will see him well looked after. Uh, now, that's exactly the point I was coming on to. Um, it's the management, isn't it? It's all very well saying, well, this lad, Shoei Bashir from Somerset via Berkshire, bowls at the right speeds and the right uh, delivery Via Berkshire, Surrey and Middlesex. I mean, if you look at his profile, it's incredible, really. Only June last year, just we were looking at Cricket Archive, that wonderful resource that shows you where they've, all these players have come from. And just before his first-class debut last year, he was playing for Taunton Dean. He was something like fourth change for Taunton Dean in some league match in Somerset. And now here he is in, in Vizac. How would you have felt, do you think, um, if you'd been told by the selectors as captain of England that you were going to be taking a 20-year-old off-spinner with half a dozen games of experience into a test match in India. Because um, it's one thing, you know, having the data, and obviously they know a little bit about his character and personality, quite a lot, actually, after the Lions camp. But uh, I'm leading you towards commenting on Ben Stokes and the way he handled Tom Hartley when he was savaged in the first test match in his first spell and... Well, I mean, Ben, you know, I've said it many times, he's a, a remarkable cricketer and a remarkable captain. From what I've seen, he's, uh, you know, he's as good as any England captain that I've seen. I've said it on record that he's going to go down as a, you know, fabulous England captain by the time that he's finished. But it, that is a strength of his, I think, that he's a very empathetic character. I think players know that he's got their back. He's a very selfless cricketer. He's not going to do stuff that he, he wouldn't do stuff himself that he's going to ask others to do. So um, in terms of the Tom Hartley thing, you know, I felt, well, I was certainly, he, was, he was certainly right not to take him off after two overs. That, was, that would have been wrong. I actually thought he kept him on a little too long when he bowled him nine because I thought Root should have bowled at the left-hander. And in fact, Root then got the left-hander out next morning. But again, that's just... That's opinions, you know. I have an opinion, you have an opinion, everybody has an opinion. What matters is, is his opinion because he's the one making the calls. But the fact that Tom Hartley will have felt backed and valued and the fact that Stokes didn't take him off after getting a mauling in two overs would have. There was a dividend that came in the second innings when Hartley bowled so well uh, in conditions that were pretty helpful. 
You're listening to Michael Atherton. Um, chatting about leadership and selection and the way that it's changed over the years. Uh, it's lunchtime on uh, the first day of the second test match here in uh, Vishakapatnam. India won the toss, chose to bat first. They've reached 103 for two. And the first wicket was taken by one of the men we're talking about, Shoaib Bashir, who had uh, Indian captain Rohit Sharma caught at leg slip. Uh, for 14, Ollie Pope, another good catch close to the wicket, and then Shubman Gill caught behind by the one and only, uh, uh, sorry, by Ben Folks off the one and only Jimmy Anderson for 34, currently 103 for two, with uh, Yashasvi Jaiswal 51 not out, and uh, at the other end, Shreyas Iyer on four. Um, so, so, yeah, um, but back to Shoe Bashir, it just turned 20. And here he is playing a, a test match. Um, and and I, I get the sense from Ben Stokes' leadership, and it's, I may not put this in the best possible way, but he, he, you've got to care very much about the result, just not too much in the moment. Um, Stokes always talks about not worrying about the results too much and trying to you know, concentrate on the process and stay, stay in the moment. It's do a it very much misunderstood ball. concept, isn't it? The basketball is a—it's a lot. It's a more than just about hitting fours and sixes, which you know, when England took the game on a couple of summers ago and started almost kind of revolutionising how they were going about playing Test cricket. But I remember I'd, I had a chat with Rob Key and for for a piece in the paper at the start of last year, and I said, you know, what to you, what does basketball mean? And rather than talking about the fours and sixes and the, the aggressive cricket that they were playing, he thought it was about man management. He said it's about the quiet bloke in the corner. That was the, that was the phrase that he used. And he referred back to a, something Mike Brearley had said about managing the likes of Ian Botham and others. He said, you know, but Brearley said Botham was always the easy one to manage because he was so his character was so obvious. It was the quiet bloke sat in the corner who didn't say very much that you weren't sure about and. And that was Mike Brearley's genius, maybe, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And Rob said to me that he felt that was the great quality that Stokes and McCullum have, that they can see the quiet bloke in the corner, not ignore the quiet bloke in the corner and try and get the best out of, out of them as well. Uh, what about uh, the future... Um, where, where do you see... I, I don't suppose Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes have thought much about their future. Well, perhaps they have um, the future in Test cricket, the future of Test cricket. Do you think that this revolution that they've led with the England team will catch on? Um, I think... I mean, their, their responsibilities to England and England alone, and, you know, they'll do what they think best for that team. And, and other captains and coaches and, and management teams must do that as well. You... You have to... Management of teams and players is about the resources at your disposal. So Craig Brathwaite, for example, who's a very different style of captain to Ben Stokes, but he may not have the resources at his disposal to go out and say to his players, right, we're going to try and score 400 in a day. You, you've got to manage what you've got, and, and Craig Brathwaite looks to have a very good, perhaps promising pace attack at his disposal at the moment, given that fantastic result down in Australia and young Shamar Joseph who looked look wonderful young bowler but he might not have that with the batting so you're just trying to work out how to maximise the resources at your disposal and I think that really is the, the essence of good leadership and good captaincy whatever style in which you do it you've got to do it 
to fit the players that you have and try and just maximise what the players have got. And, you know, captaincy, I think the way you judge captaincy is actually just more than about results alone. You know, you can be the captain like Craig Brathwaite is and going to Australia. You look on the, fa on the face of it and the team's on paper and you'd say West Indies look second best to Australia, but he's engineered a one-all draw there. So you'd have to say that's a... You know, that reflects very well on, on Craig Brathwaite's captaincy. Stokes and McCullum talk about creating memories, having fun and creating memories. And uh, for a long, long period when I covered Test cricket, you did sort of get the feeling that uh, you were entering a, a, a house of worship, you know, and that you had to be on your best behaviour. And that, and players, I think, were also had the sense that uh, they were going for another three-hour training session. And, and, and there was a sense of, dare I say, drudge. Uh, to, to for, a, for a while and, and now you come to an England practice and they're playing music and they're, they're, they're treating it in such a... Well, they're, op they're optional training sessions for a start. David Gow was like 40 years ahead of his time in the Caribbean <laughs> in 1985. Um, yeah, but it shouldn't be a drudge, should it? Uh, you know, it's easy to say that when you sat on the sidelines watching on, but I, I, I've never felt that cricket is a job or should be a job it, you know it, it's a job in the sense that you want to do it as well as you can and you want to try and be as good as you can at whatever aspects within the game you're doing whether you're broadcasting writing playing whatever but I've never seen it as a job it, you know it, it's just a, a thing to be enjoyed really we're all lucky to be involved in the game in whatever um, aspect of the game we're involved in and the playing nothing beats playing and so for these players, it should be the best days of their lives. You know, I was lucky enough to give Tom Hartley his cap before the first game in Hyderabad and, you know, just said, treasure this because, you know, it beats potting plants in your father's, in, you know, um, business in, in Ormskirk. They have a little kind of um, horticultural business, don't they? So this is, these are the best days of your life. So they're right to try and bring an element of, of fun and enjoyment and that, that will be married with, obviously, the determination to, to be the best that they can be. To, they work hard, they train hard, they're fit, you know, they want to be the best that they can be. But you, 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 it can't be a drudge for sure. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The word sacrosanct was used so often in my early days and actually probably for the majority of my writing and broadcasting career. The test cricket is sacrosanct, that's the highest level of the game, it's the greatest stage. All of that was true, but it did lead to this level of reverence that, that, that was uncomfortable for, for, for some players. Um, you know, they, they got to the highest level and they thought, blimey, um, this is a bit serious for, for me. And, so for that to, to be changing, and I, when Ben Stokes announced the team yesterday, he couldn't help his cheeky smile and, and a chuckle when he said, yes, a second debutant, of, uh, second debutant spinner. Um, you know, and, and there was a sense that in Test cricket, that amongst many other things, that, well, you don't do that in Test cricket. And, a, you know, wearing your blazer on the first day. I enjoy those traditions and, and that sort of thing. But um, uh, maybe... You know, Test Creek was being left behind by, by a world that was less reverential. Yeah, possibly so. And there's no doubt that the young players coming into this environment, I'm talking about the England environment now, I don't know the India environment well enough, but there's no doubt that coming in they feel that they want to be here. And, and clearly that's important because, you know, you touched on it a moment ago that Test Cricket is challenged in many parts of the world, not least your own in, in South Africa. Um, and players are moving away from it in some parts of the world because of the financial challenges and all that kind of thing. So the Stokes and McCullum way is to try and make the environment um, as enjoyable as possible, try and make it a place where players want to come and play. And England are still lucky that you know they've got the financial resources to pay the players very well. I mean, somebody like Mark Wood you know, offered a three-year contract at some extortionate amount recently. You know, that's, that, they can do that in a way that New Zealand can't, West Indies can't. So there's lots of advantages in their favour, but still to make the environment as enjoyable as possible, to make sure that the players want to come and play is a big part of, of what they're doing. Finally, uh, did you have a big smile on your face watching Shoei Bashir bowl? Oh, he's fantastic. Um, I, I thought he bowled really well for a start this morning. Um, I mean, I've never forgotten, it's a long time ago, but I've never forgotten what it feels like to play your first game and your heart's pounding and you're nervous as hell. Particularly as a bowler, you know, with the ball in hand, nobody can really help you. So you always feel for the play. You want them to land that first ball well. Um, you know, Tom Hartley got whacked for six, didn't he, down in Hyderabad? But I thought Shoei Bashir bowled really well. It was a great wicket to get Rohit Sharma, good smart catch. Uh, from Ollie Pope, and, and you know, he's got to get some bounce. Obviously, we talked about the height that he bowls from, and I thought he looked as threatening as anybody this morning. I thought he bowled really well. So, great to see, and it was a pretty good morning session, actually, to get that second wicket of Shubman Gill for Jimmy Anderson on a dead flat pitch. Um, it wasn't a bad morning at all for England. Thank you so much for your time. I was going to say, we'll go and get a late lunch now, but actually, it's, it's only 10 past 12 local time. It's a bit early for curry. Uh, it's not. It's never early. No, no, I agree, I'll, be, yeah. I'll be digging in, don't worry. Good oh, yeah. to see you. <laughs> Me too. Thank you very much indeed. Former England captain Michael Atherton.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.